Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer noob, rock in America. Soccer noob, rock in America. Featuring person Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode number 66 of Soccer Noob Rock in America. I am Soccer Noob of song. And I do know something about soccer, despite what my daughter is singing there, but only by having done this podcast for a little over a year. It's been my global learning classroom, and I'm so glad that you've been joining me. Also joining me for the podcast is my nine-year-old daughter and co-host, Person Noob. Hello! And our endeavor is to bring you 10 mini-previews of the best, most intriguing matches in the world, as we define them. Some big leagues and tournaments, but some from smaller events and countries as well. But all matches are going to be really important where they're being played. Comedy galore is in store, I promise, or at least our attempt at it, as well as our learning of soccer and the world. Let's dive right in with... March number one! Our first is a Friday match, and we're headed off to the Premier League of Lebanon. Yeah, see, I told you we'd go basically anywhere. This is the 18th-ranked league in all of Asia, the AFC, their confederation acronym. They're almost halfway through the season there. Their champion does get to go to the Champions League. It's not the case for the champions of some of the lower-ranked leagues, but they do not get to start in the group stage. That team has to start one round prior to that in a qualifying playoff round. The next two teams in the table will get to go to the AFC Cup, the secondary international tournament in Asia, and start in the group stage. And your matchup. I'm hoping I'm getting my pronunciations right. Number one, Ahed. It's A-H-E-D. Taking on current second place, Shabab Sahel. Ahed currently lead uh, Ahead currently leads Sahel by three in the table. Sahel in turn lead third place Nejma by one. So it's moderately early in the season, but we've got quite a race brewing so far. As is our tradition, we will talk about the home team first, Ahed. They play out of the capital city of Beirut. And uh, their name, I think it means Sunday and has some sort of specific Quranic meaning. I am Arabic noob as well. But you can uh, look that up on your own if you're interested enough. What I can tell you with a little bit more surety is that they are known as the Yellow Castle. And the color is no coincidence. This is a team, I don't know the nature of it, but they have a direct affiliation, not just the supporters, the team itself, with the Hezbollah organization, the Shia-backed, uh, Shia Muslim-backed organization there. Fun recent history side note. Well, fun might not quite be the right word, but go with me here. In 2018, uh, Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu accused 
uh, Hezbollah of using this team's stadium as a missile cluster. So, yes, interesting, yes, fun, not so much so. <laughs> Poor choice of words. In any case, as far as the footy, this is one of three undefeated clubs in the league. Uh, seven titles they have won. 2018-19 was the last time they did so. That was the last of three straight for that stretch. They won the AFC Cup in 2019. So even their most recent title was still a year when the winner of this league was not getting to go to the Champions League. Last year, they were also in the AFC Cup, and they made it all the way to what's called the Zonal Semifinal, which is basically the round right before the group stage. Think round of, well, whatever, right before the group stage. They've never been to the Champions League. Last year, they finished in fourth place. This year, the stats look very good for them, and they may be becoming explanation why I haven't quite decided to come in uh, fairly soon when we cover the other team, my favorites to win the league. Uh, there's not a plethora of offense in this league. So one and a half goals per match is good for second best for this team. They've also got the number one defense going. Uh, they've only allowed two goals in eight matches. And so they've got tied for the best goal differential. Key players to look for second best league scorers: Mohamed Kado. He's a forward, 24 years old, homegrown. Started his senior career when he was just 15 or 16 back in 2013. He's mostly been loaned out the last three years. And just an interesting side note, in case you are someone who follows Asian, I don't want you to be any more confused than I might otherwise normally make you. Yes, there is another player with the exact same name who plays elsewhere in Asia. He plays with uh, Naroka, N-E-R-O-C-A. It is an acronym, I believe, in India's I-League, one of the co-number one leagues in India. In any case, they've also got a top 10 assist man in Hussein Dakik. He's a fullback, likes seeing those defensively oriented players get more offensively oriented, and he's a veteran, 33 years old. He actually started his career with Sahel. I think he only played there for a year, though. I think he's been with this team ever since. He played a little with the national team uh, back in like between 2009 and 2012. And in terms of clean sheets anyway, the best goalkeeper in the league is also theirs, Mustafa Matar. And he's been earning national team caps as well, uh, a dozen of them since 2019. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 in the last three. Not sure how much weight we should even put on that loss, though that was an FA Cup loss. And from country to country, you always have to wonder how much importance uh, they're putting on the FA Cup. But they lost to league number three, Nejma, on penalty kicks. So it was still a competitive game. And now on to our visitors, Shabab Sahel. Uh, they played an area that I'm sure to mispronounce within Beirut called Haret Hraik. It is where Hezbollah is actually located. The team's name means Coastal Youth, which is fun, I think, and it is not one of the undefeated clubs, interestingly enough. Uh, it is the number one, three, and four teams in the table that all have no losses. Last year, this team finished in third place in the league, and that is the best they have ever done. So if they could make uh, international competition this year, that would really be something. They have had the offense to do it. This is how you're going to separate yourself in this league. They've had the number one offense uh, by almost three quarters of a goal per game average. You're scoring well over two per match. And they've also had a defense that even though it's uh, not barely within the top half of the league, they're still letting in only uh, not even one goal per match, to be honest. They've also, they're tied for the number one goal differential. Now, here's where things get interesting. A lot of that offensive success has been courtesy of the feat of league number one scorer, Fidel Antar, their striker. Uh, but he is not their striker anymore. 
earlier this month, he got moved to a Division II team in Malaysia, Kellen Tan. They sold him on. So the big question is, can this team continue to generate the offense needed to separate themselves from Saheb and teams like Nejma? They still do have the number one league-leading assist man in Muhammad Jafar. Uh, their current form so far, it's not looking great, to be honest. They're only 1-0-3, oh, basically since losing Fidel Antar. Match number B. That was our only Friday match. We move on to Saturday, therefore, and to somewhat more familiar grounds. We're off to the Premier League now in England for number one, Man City, taking on number B, Chelsea. And that's right. We don't like to say number you know what because it's bathroom talk. Number B, join our revolution. Use it in your daily lives, new bites. This match is going to be on Peacock at 7.30 in the morning, Eastern Time here in the U.S. As far as the recent series, Man City have had the best of it by a little bit with a 17-4-12 and record in recent years. When they played earlier this season, it was Man City getting the road win, nil uh, one Gabriel Jesus had the winning goal in that one and was assisted by Joel Cancelo. Once again, we will talk about the hosts first. This is a league not lacking in offense, at the very least at the top. Man City, they score over two and a half goals per match, and that goes along with the number one defense. They're running away with the league. They've only allowed 13 goals in 21 matches at the time that I had scouted this. I say that, by the way, because I know by the time you're hearing this, that they may have played at least one more match. In any case, tied for number three in assists is the aforementioned Gabriel Jesus, Brazilian for 24 years old. He came up with one of the teams I really like down there, a historical good one in Brazil, Paul Myras, but then he's been here ever since. And it is hard to get on the national team down there. Brazil is so strong, but he's got 53 national team caps. Then they've also got the number one goalkeeper in the league, at least according to clean sheet stat keeping. He's got 11 of them. And a little uh, fun fact about Ederson, Guinness World Record for longest drop kick ever is his. He kicked a soccer ball over 247 feet in that method. All around best player I think that they've got going for the year is Rodri, their Spanish central midfielder. He's got three goals and assists, which is pretty good from the center. 92% passing accuracy, but what really impresses me is the way he's able to stop the other team attack. He has had a 60% success rate on tackle attempts and none too few either. But the hottest player I think they have going right now is uh, Fernandinho, Brazilian central midfielder. I don't think he starts every game necessarily, but he's been coming alive a little bit offensively lately, getting fouled a lot, and yet that hasn't stopped his passing accuracy uh, from reaching almost the 90% mark. Team as a whole, seven straight wins across all competitions with a very impressive 20-4 goal differential over that stretch in the six league matches. And now Chelsea, Number three offense in the league. They're also getting over two goals per match. Top three defense as well, not even allowing one, and that's good for the third best goal differential. They have three players in the top 10 in the league assists. So that's one of the things that makes them hard to stop is those uh, crosses and through balls can be coming from just about any direction. Uh, tied for number five in goalkeeping. I want to mention him just because he's one of my favorites for any uh, uh, newer or uh, like burgeoning soccer fans out there. Watch Eduard Mendy and the way he plays. He is a French-born player. He reps for Senegal, has eight clean sheets on the year. 
six foot four, one of the tallest goalies I've ever seen. And he uses his height, particularly to come off the line. I don't know if you would quite call him a sweeper keeper, but he likes to go across. Um, if somebody puts up a cross, it's a little bit too lazy. He doesn't wait around. He likes to come off his line and snag those things right out of the air. Their all-around best player, though, I believe, is one of the three assist guys. He's sort of 1A of the group, in my opinion, Mateo Kovacic. Uh, he's a Croatian central midfielder, uh, two goals, five assists on the year, really strong with both his dribbling and his passing. As far as the team's current form, unbeaten in their last 10 across all competitions, although it's interesting to note that they, uh, I believe, unless it gets obviously gets COVID postponed or something, will have played Tottenham Hotspur in the EFL Cup between the time I'm recording this and the time you're hearing it. Match number three. And to great surprise, that is the only Saturday match that made the cut for the 10 that we are going to track for this week's episode. Usually Saturday is chock full of the very best, most intriguing ones. But we are going to be moving right on to Sunday for another British match. We're in England once again, the Premier League for number six, Tottenham Hotspur, taking on number four, Arsenal, in what is called the North London Derby. As far as the season in recent years, incredibly even. Arsenal have a very slim lead with 11, 7, and 10 in their last 28. When they played earlier this season, it was at Arsenal, and they won 3-1. to one. You could have got this one on Peacock at 11.30 a.m., but unfortunately it was postponed, which is too bad because this was going to be our gambling match, and we were going to have a visit from our 3,500-year-old prognosticator, Noob Stradamus, who can always touch the infinite and beyond and have a drug-addled vision to help us out. Greetings from the merciless Thracian plains of Greece. One can almost hear the universal infinite in the cutting winds, speaking wisdom and doom. Hey, 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 the management. What did I just say? We don't have time. Shut him down. Shut him down. There's there's not going to be a match. So whatever vision he thinks he's going to have, we already know what the score is going to be. It's going to be nothing. It's been postponed. I think I'm getting messed with here. Match number four. Another Sunday match, and perhaps the one I am most excited for this week. It comes from the AFCON group stage, where all the matches are taking place in Cameroon. The AFCON is the national championship for the national teams there in Africa. They have broken everybody down into four groups of six. They're just playing a single round robin in Cameroon. The top two teams from each group are going to advance, and the top four, number three. So a lot of opportunities to move on. The match we're going to focus on is the Gambia, and yes, you do need the definite article, I believe, versus Mali. Uh, both of these teams won their first Group F match, so they are tied at three points in the table. And by the way, where you finish in the group matters, whether it's in first or second place or you're winning the advancing thirds, uh, will affect the quality of your opponent in the next knockout round. I don't know whether or not this is going to be an easy one to find stateside. I know in North America that a network called Be In Sports have the television rights to it. This game's going to be on at 8 a.m. I have heard or rather read on Twitter that they're mostly just showing or maybe entirely just showing 
uh, highlights from various games, doing highlight programming. But you might be able to catch this. I'm certainly hoping so. We're going to talk about the on-paper host team first, even though the, all the matches, again, are in Cameroon. The Gambia, the reason I'm so excited, the Scorpions. Their rank, who doesn't love an underdog, out of the 52 league associations, or rather national teams in Africa, they are rated number 47 and only ranked number 150 by FIFA in the world. This is their first ever AFCON, no real surprise. First time they've made it to the group stage. They are the lowest ranked team remaining in the event. They're one of the eight teams actually in Africa. They had to play a preliminary round and they barely got by the fellow tiny country of Djibouti. The matches went, it was a, it was a home and away two-legged affair, I believe. 1-1, one, 1-1, one, 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 and then they won 2-3 to three on penalty kicks to advance just to the group stage for qualification. There they played in Group D and they actually won it. Uh, they were tied with Gabon. They had to go to five, the fifth tiebreaker, which was total goals scored. Uh, although both teams did advance, it's still very cool that they got to win. They went three, two, and one with a nine and seven goal differential. So a bit defensively uh, oriented, if you will. Uh, Gambia, by the way, is the smallest country in Africa. It is in Western Africa on the coast. It is entirely surrounded by the country of Senegal, except where, of course, it touches the coast. And the population is only uh, 2.1 million people. To lend you some perspective, I believe that's pretty much the exact same size as the American state of Rhode Island competing against all these great countries. Just phenomenal that they've made it this far. Uh, another fun side note for them, all time in AFCON and World Cup qualification away matches, they had never won one, nil and 39, but they got a big upset win, a 1-3 win over a mighty Angola team, fellow uh, West African one. As far as this stage of this event, they got their win against Mauritania, which would admittedly was the team from pot three of the four. In other words, you know, the Gambia was predicted basically to finish last. Mauritania were finished, predicted to finish in third to have any chance of advancing for either of these teams. One of them had to get the win and the Gambia did get it. Here's some key players to look for for them. Um, Asan Sise, he is a forward for them. He plays for FZ Zurich in Switzerland, uh, very much in the top half of Europe, but obviously also not one of the very, very top leagues. But he's done very well for them. He's got 11 goals and five assists in 17 appearances so far. And for the national team, uh, he is uh, basically their designated goal scorer, and he's been earning caps for them since 2013. Another key player to look for coming into his own, Musa Barrow. That, I believe they have two guys by that last name. Don't know if related. This one is a 23-year-old midfielder who plays in Serie A over in Italy. He just made a move from Atalanta to Bologna this year, which in quality is probably just a bit of a step down. Presumably, he's going to be getting uh, more playing time, though. And in fact, this year, in uh, 15 appearances, he's got five goals and three assists. He's made 14 national team appearances since 2018. As far as the team's current form, outside of the events we've talked about, they went 3-3 three and three in friendlies in 2021. And again, it's the defense that has really been getting by. And I will be rooting so hard for the Scorpions to get through. No offense, Molly. I like your mascot. You're known as the Eagles. Uh, they are ranked number 10 in the African Confederation and rated number 53 by FIFA. Uh, Mali is actually the eighth biggest country 
in Africa. It is a fellow West African country to them, about 20 million people, so 10 times the size of the Gambia nearly. Uh, they're mostly no, not for their senior team play, which is good, but actually they've got incredibly strong youth teams. The senior team has never qualified for a World Cup, incidentally. Interesting recent historical side note for them. In 2017, uh, this FA or this team was suspended by FIFA for government interference. The government just basically came in and said, we're taking over. The FA executive committee is completely dissolved. Uh, they reinstated that within a few weeks uh, once they realized FIFA was going to be very quick and very serious about it. And the entire committee was reinstated by the government. Back to the footy, 1972, this team did very well. AFCON runners-up they were, and that's the best they've ever done. But they wouldn't qualify again even until 1994, so a long hiatus. Now, they have qualified for the last seven, and twice they made it as high as third place for their finish. Most recent iteration, because it's held every other year, was the 2019 one, and they made the round of 16. This year, they won their qualification group, uh, Group A. They went 4-1-1 one, one with a 10-4 and four goal differential, beat uh, the country of Guinea by two points for that title. And to advance, they, uh, they got a very uh, good and uh, somewhat surprising win over Tunisia, 0-1. Key players to look for, Eves uh, Bisama, if I'm getting his name right, he is a midfielder that is currently with Brighton and Hove Albion. Uh, also spent his last three years with Lille over in France. And he's only just 25 years old now. So this is a guy who, despite being young, has a lot of top quality international experience. To go with that, 19 national team caps earned since 2015. Uh, his strengths, pack, passing accuracy, which for a midfielder, not surprising. Uh, dribbles, excellent, 70% success rate there. But I love guys that get it done on both sides of the field. His tackle success rate is 70%, which is incredibly high for a midfielder, even if he is a slightly defensively oriented midfielder. As far as the team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last seven. In fact, they have won five straight. And in all of those seven matches, they have not conceded a single goal. So... Yes, indeed, my Scorpions do have a tough road to hoe, but they are going to need to get some kind of result because their last match is against the top team of the group, Tunisia. And Tunisia are going to be playing maybe for their lives, certainly for seeding, and are not going to concede anything against Mali, or uh, rather the Gambia. Match number five. More Sunday action. We're headed back to Asia, specifically the Super League of India, which is one of the two co-top flight leagues in that country, along with the I-League. Uh, here's how each is a little bit different. Uh, the league we're going to be talking about, the Indian Super League, is more of the franchise-style one. It's a fairly new league, less than a decade old, uh, very much along the lines of Australia's uh, A-League men or uh, Major League Soccer, for example. The uh, other league, which isn't playing right now just because they've been uh, postponing all of their matches, presumably for COVID, maybe it's something else. That is more of a uh, world traditional style league where they actually have uh, promotion and relegation with a secondary league and so on. In any case, collectively, they are considered the number 10 or not number 10, number 17 AFC ranked leagues together. That puts them right next to Lebanon that we talked about earlier. That's up two from a year ago. The regular season winner is going to get to go to the Champions League group stage. The end of the year and the top four are going to make the playoffs. The playoff winner 
I know they're going somewhere, but I uh, I found conflicting information, so I don't know if they also get to go to the Champions League, maybe to a qualifying round, or if they get to go to the group stage, maybe of the AFC Cup that we talked about earlier. But in any case, as far as the league table, my goodness, this might be the best race going in the world. They're halfway through the season, and five points separate number one and number nine in the table. And there are 11, there's just 11 teams in this league. So everything is very even. The matchup we're going to look at, not surprisingly, is a number one versus number B. It is league leading Kerala Blasters versus number B, Mumbai City. They are tied on points at the table. Blasters currently have the tie-breaking league with goal differential. They're up four in that category. And these two lead two other teams by just one in the table. By the way, the Blasters also have a match in hand, so advantage them uh, as compared to Mumbai City. The recent series between them, the last 15 matches, have gone the way of the Blasters to the tune of a 6-6-3 record. And when they played earlier this season, Kerala won 0-3 on the road at Mumbai City. We'll talk about the hosts today first, the Blasters. They have a couple nicknames, the Yellow Army, or looking more at which... It's kind of interesting because their crest has very little yellow on it, but it does have a big old elephant on it, and thusly they are also called the Tuskers. They were founded just seven, seven years ago. Uh, much like uh, most most or all of the teams in this league and the league itself. Uh, they play out of uh, Kochi in the state of Kerala. Uh, they have about 2.1 million people in the metro area. It's in the southwest part of the country. You may have heard of the Malabar Coast. Really important trading port city historically going back seven, 800 years, all the way back to when uh, the spice trade uh, was so all-encompassing. They're one of the most popular clubs actually in all of Asia, yet despite that, they actually never won the league title. Uh, They were runners-up in 2014 and in 2016. Last year, they finished in just 10th place. This year, the offense below average, yet they're scoring over one and a half uh, per match. But the defense is where their strength is. They're tied for number one in that regard. They've only given up an average of exactly one goal per match. And that's good for the second overall goal differential. It's a bit of a quirky league when it comes to the, uh, the goals for and goals against, I've noticed. So that offense at one and a half, even though it's number seven, isn't really probably that big a problem for them. Everything's pretty Uh, clustered together in that regard. Uh, They've got two players on their team with four goals each on the league scoring leaderboard. Uh, But I believe the key guy to look for with them is their all-around team best, and he's top five in the league in assists, uh, Uruguayan Uruguayan attacking midfielder named Adrian Luna. La Liga fans may recognize his name. I say may because while he was uh, technically with Espanyol, or rather they had the rights to him for three years, he was always loaned out. Uh, Liga MX fans are much more likely to know him. He was with Veracruz from 2015 through 19. He's also earned 14 national team caps for himself. And then they've got two goalkeepers. Uh, I don't know if they alternate starts or if somebody got hurt, but between the two of them, they've got five clean sheets. So it's a very good defensive team. As far as uh, the current form for this team, uh, they lost their first match of the season and they have not lost since. Now, Mumbai City, known as the Islanders, uh, to lend some uh, continental perspective, this team isn't too far within the top 300 clubs in the country, so, or in the nation in the continent, rather. There's the word I'm looking for. So, great, it's not the strongest league necessarily, and this isn't the strongest club, but 
I think that's part of the fun of this podcast. They were also founded seven years ago. And if you like the Yankees and you like Man City, well, congratulations. Mumbai City is the team for you. Two years ago, they became part of the city football group. They bought them up, I think, something like 85% of the shares. And it didn't take them long to see some success with that extra money that's probably coming in. Last year, they were both the regular season champions, which they called the premiers, and then they also won the playoff title, and that uh, makes them what's called champions there. First titles in both regards. Statistically, number one offense in the league scoring exactly two. The defense has been a problem. They're giving up actually over two goals per match. So despite being in the negative, though, they still got a top half goal differential tied for number four in that regard. Told you this league was a little bit weird by the numbers. Key players to look for. Second best league scorer is there's Igor Angulo. He is a Spanish striker, very much the veteran at 37 years old. Biggest end of his career uh, was in Europe, uh, in Poland, the extra class with Gornik Zabja. He was with them from 2016 through 2020. But their all-around best player, and he's number one in the league in assists, is Ahmad, I'm going to pronounce it Jaho, J-A-H-O-U-H. He's a Moroccan defensive midfielder, also veteran, 33 years old. Best team he's probably ever been with was uh, Raja Casablanca. In his homeland of uh, Morocco, he made 13 appearances with them one particular year. As far as the team's current form, they're kind of slipping a bit. 0-2-3 in their last five with uh, no goals scored in their last two and the overall goal differential in that stretch of 5-13. and 13. I think if either of these two teams wants to head into the second half of the season uh, with meaningful momentum, somebody's got to get three points out of this because quite honestly, I think it's going to be a well-balanced team that ends up winning this per- particular league and neither of the, those teams cuts it in that particular regard. kitties they thirst for us to take a break and give them what they most need and that is a recap of last week's matches let us take a look and see how things turned out match number one was a friday match from england's women's super league we had number b chelsea fc women taking on number three tottenham hotspur women and it got postponed because of a breakout of covid with the chelsea squad saturday match number b from germany's bundesliga we looked at number five, Hoffenheim, taking on number 15, Augsburg, and it was Hoffenheim coming out on top 3-1. That moved them up into third place and Augsburg down into 16th place. Uh, American and new player to Augsburg, Pepe, went on in the 60th minute. Congratulations to him on the big move. Match number three from Bangladesh, the FA Cup final there, where Ramat Ganj MFS took on number three, Abahani, and it was the favorites, Abahani, coming out on top 1-2. Uh, interestingly, uh, Noobstradamus said that uh, somebody was going to win that 10 to nil. Yeah, it didn't quite happen. Hope he didn't gamble on his words. Anyway, match number four from the FA Cup in England from the sixth level, Kidderminster Harriers FC took on championship level side Reading United. And the result wow, Kidderminster actually did manage to come out on top two to one. Looking forward to seeing them in the next round. Match number five from the African country of Guinea, the Championnat Nacional, number one, Haroya, took on number three, S-O-A-R, Koya, and it was Haroya coming out on top 2-0. That drops Soar Koya down to number four, and surely they were sore about it. Match number six from the Cypria, Cyprus's first division 
Number B, AEK Larnaca taking on number one, Apollon Limassol. And the result was a win for the home team. Congratulations, Larnaca. You won two to one. Uh, for Limassol, guy we said to look for, a Danilo uh, Spoljaric had the game tying goal at the 51st minute, but then he gave up the game losing own goal eight minutes later. Wah, wah. Uh, so we have Larnaca now moved up to number one and Limassol down to number three. Match number seven, we went to the AFCON 2021 version. Number seven, uh, seed of Cameroon taking on number 11, Burkina Faso in the group stage. The first match of it, and Cameroon came out on top two to one. Match eight from the Chinese FA Cup on Sunday. Your final, Shandong Taishan took on Shanghai Port in Congratulations on the trophy, Shandong Taishan. You won nil one. Tuesday, match number nine, we went to the Portuguese FA Cup. It was just the quarterfinal there, but we wanted to take a look at a fun minnow, a level four team, Lessa, L-E-C-A, taking on Mighty and getting to play host by uh, virtue of the luck of the random draw, Sporting CP. <laughs> but their luck ran out with the draw, Sporting one nil to four. No real surprise there, to be honest. Wednesday, match number 10 from the Premier League of the Asian Nation of Bahrain. Number two, number B, Manama, ooh, took on number one, Rifa. And it was Rifa coming out on top, nil two, no change in table position there. From the route of the week, bonus match Sunday from Bermuda's Premier Division. Number nine, Crossroad Warriors took on the big, bad, dandy dickies of dandy town, the Hornets. Uh, I, I think they should drop the Hornets and just go with the other thing. But in any event, they won in an absolute route, uh, two to seven. Just an incredible route. And yet, it was not the route of the week for the world. It wasn't even the route of the week in their own country. Number 10, Southampton Rangers lost at home to number four, St. George's Colts, one to eight. So there was one even worse right there. The most meaningless match in the world was a Saturday match from Iran's Persian Gulf Pro League. Number 10, Nasaji took on number nine, Zabahan, and it was Nasaji winning one to nil. So they move up to number eight, while Zabahan moved down to number 10. Still pretty darn meaningless positions in the table. And then finally, the match of Disappointed, a Thursday match. We went back to Portugal one more time. Premier League, number 17, second to last place, uh, Famalicão, taking on last place, Belenenses, S-A-D, with the appropriate acronym at the end for a match of Disappointed. Uh, Famalicão won 1-0, and that moved them up to number 16 out of the relegation zone proper and into a relegation playoff match position for the moment. And that concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's... Let's get back into talking about the upcoming week's matches with match number six. We continue on with the Sunday portion of our week. And I'll be honest, I was a bit conflicted about whether or not to include this particular match. I always have lots of choices and I'm always look, looking for stakes. Where is the most drama? Where are things the closest? Or if it's an FA Cup, are they in the final or close enough to the final? And sometimes that makes it a little bit harder for me to want to focus on the women's game. Now, please don't take that the wrong way. The simple fact of it is that a lot of the best countries in the world in women's football, there's not necessarily a lot of parity. But I decided I wanted to uh, give one of these two particular teams in particular their due. So we're headed to Spain to the Primera División. 
Primera División Femenino, which is the fourth-ranked women's league in all of Europe. The top four are pretty close together as far as coefficients and how they're ranked, and there's a big drop-off before you get to number five, Sweden. In any case, they get three teams to the Champions League, and where you finish matters. The winner is going to get started in the group stage, and the second and third place teams have to start in different qualifying rounds preceding the group stage. They're just over halfway through the season, and the matchup is number B, Real Sociedad, versus number one, Barcelona. This is probably going to be the best chance to see Barcelona potentially lose a game. That is the reason we're covering it. But it's not much of a chance, probably, because Real Sociedad lost on the road to Barca, Eight to one earlier this season. Ouch. Recent series, last five uh, times they've met, Barcelona have had a perfect record. This year, Barcelona and the table are ahead of them by eight. And then Real Sociedad lead Atletico Madrid by 12 points in the table. So as you can see, there's not a lot of stakes necessarily in play here. These are going to be your number one and your number B finishers. There's very little doubt about that. But let's learn a little bit about them anyway. Real Sociedad, a team I don't think I've ever covered before. Uh, They play out of Basque country in the northern part of Spain. Uh, San Sebastian is the name. It's about a dozen miles from the French border. Club was founded in 2004. Uh, This game will be played at their uh, home ground, so to speak, Instalaciones Zubieta. La Liga fans, if that name rings a bell, yeah, that's the training ground for the men's team. It only seats about 1,500. But hey, we're trying. Uh, they were, by the way, interesting side note: this team was actually deducted three points earlier in the season because they stopped displaying uh, the Spanish FA, which is called the RFEF League logo, earlier in this season. Uh, they took them off the jerseys. Two other clubs did this as well, and they were all deducted three points each. I'm not sure what the motivation for wanting to get the logo off there was. If they're protesting something or just. Felt it was no longer necessary, but on paper, it certainly looks like it was no longer necessary. From the articles I read, basically, the league is claiming, or rather the team is claiming, that the rules state of the FA that the league logo must uh, must be worn in non-professional competitions. But here's the thing. Last June, the entire league was declared professional. Before that, you had some teams that were professional and some teams that were semi-professional, but that's no longer the case. So apparently the league just needs to change the rules, in my opinion, if they want it that bad. Back to the footy. Uh, the league, uh, or last year, they finished in fifth place, and that was the best they've ever done. They've had a little bit more success in the Copa de la uh, Reina, which is the Women's FA Cup. They won that two years ago. Uh, this year, number two offense going, uh, scoring over two goals. Whoops. Number B offense. Oh, I finally did it. Scoring over two goals per match. Uh, tied for number three on defense. They are as well, letting in just other under one goal per match. And that's good for the third best overall goal differential. Key players uh, for them are their two top 10 scorers in the league. Uh, Narea Izagire and Amayur Sariege. And Sariege is also on the leaderboard and in the top 10 for league assists. And I found a little bit of a surprise USA uh, connection. This is a player with with which with whom I had no connection. Uh, she's a defender and her name is Claire Pluler. She played her college ball at Boston University here in the States, but she's uh, very much been a traveling journeywoman ever since. Uh, before getting here, she's played places like Israel, Czech Republic, and Serbia. 
As far as the team's form, they are unbeaten in their last nine, and they have won five straight. Oh, but they're probably about to once again, because Barcelona, founded in 1988, although they only became directly affiliated with the men's club, interestingly, in 2002. Six league titles to their credit. They are the two-time defending champs, and they just won uh, last year's Champions League. And that made uh, Barcelona men's and women's together, the overall organization, the first ever in the world to have, or Europe anyway, to have men's and women's Champions League titles. And here's why I don't think Real Sociedad have much of a chance. This team is 17-0-0 with a 98-4 cartoonish goal differential just it almost strikes me as why play the matches. Uh, they've got the number one league score. No surprise there. Uh, her name is Lika Martins. Uh, she is a Dutch midfielder. They've also got the number one assist league leader, Alexis uh, Puteas, an attacking midfielder. She's also the, uh, the team's all-time leading uh Number B, all-time leading score. She's been here since 2012. Has, has had lots of time to do that. Match number seven. Remaining on Sunday on our calendar, but back to Africa we go to the Premier League of Kenya, which is ranked just inside the top 20 in the African Confederation. Doesn't put them quite in the top third, but they're not way off. They only get one Champions League berth. Only the top 12 league associations in Africa get two of them. They're almost halfway through the season. Matchup we're going to look at is number B, KCB, versus number one, Homeboys. And if you spell it, be sure to spell it with a Z because they're just... That hip and that cool, apparently. Uh, Homeboys currently lead in the table by three, and then KCB, in turn, lead a couple other teams by two points each. And we will talk, as always, about the home team first. KCB stands for Kenya Commercial Bank, their sponsor. They play out of Nairobi. Uh, they've got an interesting nickname, and I'm certain something is lost in the translation here. I couldn't find anything more particular to explain it. Uh, they're called Zidwedwi, uh, if I'm probably not getting the pronunciation right, which I think is Zulu, Zulu, and it means like drawers or they are drawn. Yeah, your guess is as good as mine. I don't think it has anything to do with ties, you know, even scores in games. Uh, they've really been all over the place. They've been a yo-yo team since 2015, yet look at them right now, uh, you know, in second place. And last year they finished in second place, in fact. This year, very well balanced. They've got a top five offense and a top four defense, which uh, puts them in the top three for goal differential. Very good sign for them. Team's current form, they just lost, and that broke an 11-match unbeaten streak for them. And now the homeboys, more specifically the Kakamega homeboys, because that is the name of the city and the county out of which they play. Uh, area, I believe the county is what it is that has the body that has two million people. Uh, the most famous thing, if you're into uh, if naturalism, nature, the Kakamega rainforest is fairly famous, and the associated national park with that. One other thing I found out of, or found about this team, which I can't tell if it has any credibility, like as if, if this is an official team meal or something, but I found something that simply indicated like before every match, all the players eat chicken and obusuma, which is ogali. And if you're not familiar with that, it's uh, basically a maize uh, or corn porridge, if you will. Yeah. Uh, last Sounds good anyway. Comfort food. Uh, last year, they finished in sixth place. Uh, they've got an identical goal differential, actually, uh, to the team that they're playing. So these two are very much even. Their current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three with a 3-3 three, and three goal differential. Person Noob Sandwich Review! 
Yes, it's time for me to present daughter person noob with a sandwich for her to review. B person noob, you're blind. You've blindfolded yourself. Why? I saw it before and I almost threw up. Yeah, she hasn't been feeling uh, super well for a few days. So this is an interesting task for me to present her with. But she's already seen the sandwich and now deciding, having seen it, that she should blindfold herself. It doesn't make sense to me, but this is her segment. Would you like to describe anything to the audience about the sandwich before you sample it? It had cheese, Pop-Tarts for bread. Actually, delicious Pop-Tarts. Yeah, what kind of Pop-Tarts? Uh, hot Fudge Sunday Pop-Tarts. Try them. And my mom's Chex Mix. Okay. And what? you did you mention that part? The American cheese. Yeah, I mentioned so, that. I th so, would you like to give this a try? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe, she Maybe. says. Where is it? <laughs> She's still doing this blindfolded. Would you like me to... Here, I'll hold the plate up. I don't know why we're doing this blindfolded. Have a smell, get the full effect. Okay. And by the way, I took the nuts out of the Chex Mix because I do love you. I know you're not a big fan of nuts in general. She's not a picky eater, but nuts go by the wayside. Okay, the sandwich so far, I doubt, is going to review well on its ability to hold up. It's it's I've falling apart I've, even as she picks it up. I've opened my eyes. <laughs> yes, eyes are open now, and you probably wish they were still covered, don't you? Nope. Yeah, make sure to get some of that checks mix. She's got all three. <laughs> <laughs> and out it comes. I am such a good dad. Do I, I need to, do I, no, I'm not great. Okay. Well that apparently seemed, is, is that your official review? You're a bad dad or is there anything else you'd like to say? I give it a three. Out of how many? 10. A three out of 10. Really? Yet you spit it out. I like the pop tart. Okay. She's eating the pop tart. And so that was the saving grace. No. Anything else you'd like to add before we go? I don't like cheese because of an incident when I was six. That's one reason I don't like it. Match number eight. Still Sunday, still Africa, but now we're headed towards the western part of the continent to Togo. The Championnat National is the top flight there. It, that league is ranked just number 31 uh, by the CAF, and it is in last place of those that are ranked, uh, by which I mean that there are a number of teams in the bottom, like 30 35% in Africa, don't play enough international games, don't even pursue that really, to end up have, having anything to, on which to base a ranking. So of the teams that are ranked in Africa, the teams that are really trying Togo's league is actually one of the worst. But we're still going to talk about it because they've got a number one versus number two matchup. By the way, this team does only get the one Champions League berth, of course. The top three from each of their two groups of eight will make uh, the championship round, and then there will be playoffs that come after that. Uh, your matchup, number one, Dynamique Togolese versus number B, Togo Port. Uh, they play in Group A, which is uh, are the teams from the southern part of the country, and it appears to be the more balanced of the two groups in this league. Uh, Dynamique, they lead Togo Port by one, and then Port in turn are tied with two other clubs, but uh, they're ahead on the tiebreakers. We'll talk about the home team first. They are known as Dido as a nice abbreviation, D-Y-T-O, so we'll go with that. They play out of the city of Lome, the capital. They are 60 years old, have six league titles under their belt. Most recent one was 2012. 
Internationally, they've never made it past the first round, though, of a Champions League or even the Confederations Cup, which is the equivalent of the Europa Cup in Europe, a secondary international tournament here. They've made a total of five appearances is all in those international competitions. Last year, they finished in third place in their group, but that wasn't good enough for the playoffs last year. It's only the top two from each group at that time got to move on. They are the only undefeated team of the league, despite not being in first place. A lot of draws. Their record is 3-4-0. and oh. uh, This isn't really a powerhouse of a league when it comes to scoring. They're uh, just barely scoring over one and a half goals per match, but that's good for being the number one offense in the Championnat National. Second best defense, four goals in seven matches conceded, and the number one overall goal differential is theirs. Team form, uh, they just beat number eight, uh, Kotoko, 4-1, to one, and that broke a streak of three straight draws. And now your league leaders, Togo Port, uh, fuller name, A.S. Togo Port de Lome. They play in the same stadium, actually, so this is kind of a home game for both. They have won just one league title. That was in 2017, though, more recently than their opponents today. And then in the 2018 Champions League, they actually won both a preliminary round and a first-round match uh, before kind of getting the tar kicked out of them. They won 1-1-4 one, one, and four in the group stage. Uh, last year, they did finish in first place in their group, but of the 14 playoffs at the end of the season, they finished in last amongst those. This year, like their opponents today, very well balanced, top three offense and defense uh, and uh, goal differential. Their form, well, they lost their opening match to Dido 0-1 and have gotten all wins and draws since. Match number nine. And at last, that takes care of it for Sunday, but there is no rest for the weary new bite. Monday, we've got a good match to look at. Number nine from the Premier League of Israel, which is rated number 22 by UEFA. Uh, yes, for uh, newer or brand new fans, they do play in UEFA, not the AFC for uh, obvious political reasons, I'm sure. So they're in the top half of UEFA in terms of the rankings. Uh, they get one Champions League berth. Or that team does have to start all the way back in the first qualifying round. And then they get two league teams into the new tertiary international club tournament, the Europa Conference League. The top six from this league of 14 will get to move on to the championship round of play while the last eight go on to a relegation round. And unlike some leagues in the world, yes, the points will carry over. Sound like a game show thing with points carrying over. I don't know. In any case, uh, number B, uh, Hapoel. I've always said it Hapoel before. Be'er Sheva is taking on number one, Maccabi Haifa. And it is uh, Maccabi that lead by one in the table, and nobody else is close to either of these two teams. There is no doubt one of the two of them is going to get the title. So this is an incredibly important match because it's also the second and final time I believe that they're going to play here, at least in the first phase. Uh, as far as the recent series between them, uh, Maccabee have had the best of it with an 18, 15, and 12 record. But earlier this season, it was Be'er Sheva that won one to two on the road. And we will talk about them first. If you're a chess fan, this is probably a city in the world you know well, Be'er Sheva, because it is in some regards the chess capital of the world, or rather at least one regard. They have more chess grandmasters per capita there than anywhere else in the world. Kind of interesting. Also the big tech center of Israel. Uh, it's considered to be a southern city, but I'm not sure why geographically. It's almost uh, right dead in the middle. city of about 200,000 people. Uh, fun side note for them in 1976-77 season, they became, uh, co-became, I should say, because they went over with one other team to play in a UEFA international competition. Uh, 
Uh, they've made the Europa group stage twice, uh, including last year, or uh, 2020, 21, yes, last year. And that's the best that they've ever done. Champions League, they've never been to the group stage. They have made it to the playoff round, which is the round right before that. Uh, this year, they were in the Europa Conference League, and they won two matches before losing in the playoff round. They have won five league titles, including three from between 2015 through 2018. Last year, they finished in fourth. This year, for statistics, they've got the second-best offense at over one and a half. Number one defense where their bread is buttered, 11 in 17 matches conceded is all. Good for the second-best goal differential in the league. In fact, this league is so top-heavy that only four of the 14 teams even have a positive goal differential. Uh, number four league scorer is there's Russian by birth, as you will be able to tell by the name, even though uh, he officially lists as an Israeli player now, Nikita uh, Rukovistia. He's a winger, 34 years old, uh, Russian born, but he actually came up with and largely grew up in Australia, was with a, an academy, I believe, down there called AIS. Been a bit of a journeyman. He's played for uh, Twena in the Netherlands, also Hertha Berlin and Mainz over in the Bundesliga in Germany. And uh, I believe he's, even though he's officially a, an Israeli resident, I believe it's a dual citizenship because he's been earning uh, national team caps, has 20 of them for Australia ever since 2009, and he's still playing for them. Tied for second best in league assists is Ramsey Safori, attacking midfielder. As far as the team's form, they just lost at number four, uh, Maccabee Tel Aviv 0-1. That was their first loss of the season, and they had won seven straight matches. And now Maccabee Haifa. I don't know that this animal is from this area, but they are known as the green apes. Just a fun mascot. I think I'll be rooting for them just a little bit. This is the third largest city in the country, a metro area of about a million. Northwest Port. Uh, to give you an idea for Israel, if you're not familiar with the uh, the three big cities, you've got uh, this team in the north, you've got Jerusalem in the middle, and you've got Tel Aviv in the south. And the expression over there is that uh, Haifa works, Jerusalem prays, Tel Aviv plays. So if you like uh, if you like your working-class blue-collar football, the Green Apes, they are the team for you. Also, a fun side note about this city, and I didn't know, the Baha'i World Center here, the headquarters for that faith, is right here in that city. Another interesting fun side note, a bit more soccer-related, of course, is that their coach, uh, Barack Bahar, actually just, and I mean just, came over from Beersheba. So they've apparently been playing a merry-go-round with the coaches down there. This team has won 13 league titles. Uh, they won it last year, but that was their first one in a decade. Uh, twice they've made it all the way to the group stage in the Champions League, although the last time was 2009-2010. This year... They lost in the first round of the Champions League, and then they advanced through three qualifying rounds. They got dropped down to the Europa Conference League uh, before they made the group stage and finished in last place there. Statistically, this year in league, they've got the number one offense by over 50%, uh, like well over two and a half goals per match. They've also got a uh, top three defense. They don't concede even one per match on average. Their goal differential is almost twice as high as anybody else's in the league. Number one league scorer is there to boast of, and he's number one in assists, actually. 
Omer Atzili attacking midfielder. Uh, yes, La Liga fans, this is a whatever happened to. You spent one year with uh, Granada and made nine appearances there. And we do have a USA connection. He's not on the national team radar or anything, but they do have an American goalkeeper named Josh Cohen. Played for uh, some non-Division One teams in the U.S., but still professional. Uh, Sacramento Republic, Phoenix Rising, but then he came over here in 2019. As far as the team's current form, uh, they have won nine straight league matches and are unbeaten in 11, though in that stretch they did have a couple of international losses in there. And their last lock w- loss was actually to Bear Sheva. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! You get Tuesday and Wednesday off from our official tracking at long last. A well-deserved respite for you, but Thursday we have one more match to cover of our official 10 that we will track, and it is the beginning of the AFC Women's Asian Cup, which is their international tournament for the women's teams. All the matches are going to be played in the Indian state of Maharashtra in the cities of Mumbai, uh, Navi Mumbai, and Pune. And uh, for the first time, they've actually expanded the final event. They've already had the qualifying rounds. They're letting in 12 teams into the group stage instead of just eight. So here's what the format's going to look like. Uh, there were 32 teams alive before, uh, at the beginning of the whole thing, the qualifying rounds, uh, although four teams did withdraw after the draw. Uh, the AFC uh, top three plus India as host, they did not have to play the qualifying round. Now your final event format three groups of four, a single round robin, and the top two from each are going to advance, plus the best two number threes. And the one thing that we haven't done this episode, longer time listeners will recognize, is a culture or more specifically food-related segment. And we have one this time. And Persa Noob is going to join me because I think that she is going to either want this particular uh, animal that we're going to talk about for a pet and or she's going to want to eat it because of how delicious it looks. Uh, Maharashtra, where Mumbai is, obviously there's a diversity of cuisine, but I can tell you the sort of the, uh, the official fish, if you will, for cooking is called Harpadon uh, Nehurius, also called the Bombay duck. Now, person noob, does that look like a duck? No. No, that is called a lizard fish. Let me click on the computer screen, give you a better look at it. Does that look like something you would want for a pet? No. <laughs> is it beautiful? Yes. Oh, it is, really? Okay, yes. would you could you describe it to the listeners? So, it's like a fish. It has like a human-like mouth, like teeth. It has tiny eyes. It's like kind of dirty scaly, smooth, and then it has, like, these, like, green and blue and black, uh, uh, like, spikes. Yeah, you may find it beautiful. You know how I would describe this uh, or name it other than lizardfish? I would call this God's mistake. This fish is heinous looking. It is terrible, and I can't believe you didn't play along. (laughs) But would you be willing to, so which would you rather have this for, a pet or for a dinner entree cooked up? Pet. 
A pet? Really? Okay. Well, we're going, I mean, this thing isn't as ugly as a blobfish. I encourage you listeners to uh, Google up both of those and see which one you dislike more. But the lizard fish is absolutely an atrocity in the eyes of God and man. And it can get up to uh, well, well over a foot long. Uh, <clears throat> something I found interesting was the etymology, the fact that they call it a Bombay duck instead of a lizard fish. Uh, there's a really popular uh, false word history for it that claims that the uh, the really uh, overpowering smell of it when it's dried and it was transported by train, the mail train, in uh, at the time they called it you know, Bombay instead of Mumbai, led to a phrase, uh, if you want to talk about somebody smelling bad, you would just say, you smell like Bombay Dak, D-A-A-K, which I can only assume perhaps referred to the the deck of a train. I don't know if that's a traditional part of one, but it must have been one there. Now, the reason that's a false etymology is because that phrase uh, would be assigned to, therefore, the age of the British Raj rule or crown rule of England in India, which was roughly between uh, 1850 and 1950, of course. But you can find the phrase attested in other sources to as earlier as 1815. So while that can't really be the etymology for why you would call somebody a stinky Bombay duck, I thought it was just sort of fun to find. Bring forth the bonus matches. And this is an awesome part of the show because you got to help determine the content, if you so chose, by voting on matches in my early week polls on Twitter. Soccer Noob USA is the handle under which you can find me there. The first one is a first versus last place matchup from somewhere in the world that we dramatically call the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And it was to have been a Tuesday match, but guess what? The Welsh Premier League, number 12, uh, Kefin Druids, taking on number one TNS, like all the matches in the league, as it turns out, have been postponed due to COVID. So when it comes to Tuesday, we here at Team Noob were the ones that actually got routed. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. (laughs) A match so unimportant that we decided to sing about it. Yeah, you figure out the logic. The most meaningless match in the world is a matchup between two teams that are right smack dab, more or less, in the middle of their table, perfectly equidistant from the glory that would be finishing near the top and getting to go to international tournaments and finishing at the bottom of the relegation zone or just plain old last place. And the match that you have voted on is a Wednesday match from Down Under. We're headed to Australia for an A-League men's match. Uh, this is the number 23 league in the AFC. Yes, they play within the Asian Confederation now rather than uh, Oceania because they were just so dominant there. That is down six from a year ago. They're pretty much average now. The top two teams still do get to go to the Champions League. This is a league that, like Major League Soccer, is set up in a franchise-ish style. They don't have any relegation. Now, the one thing that's going to make this not quite as meaningless as it might otherwise be is that only the top eight teams out of the 12 in the league at the end of the year will get to qualify for the following year's FA Cup tournament. I've never seen that in any other country in the world. Nevertheless, when it comes to international play, this one don't mean a thing. Number seven, Adelaide United versus number eight, Western City Wanderers. Right now, 
now Adelaide lead Western by two, although Western do have two matches in hand. Really, the whole league is sort of what I would call a disarray, if you will. They've played anywhere from four to eight matches per club. Not quite halfway through the season. This is still you know, all going to get straightened out, obviously. Here's how the table looks. Adelaide lead MacArthur FC or trail MacArthur FC by five. MacArthur's in second place, so they represent that uh, that last attainable Champions League spot. Western Sydney, in turn, lead last place number 12, Brisbane Roar, by four. That doesn't sound like a lot of points, but remember they've got a lot of teams to climb over or slide down past. So as we said, it don't mean a thing. Adelaide United. Adelaide is in the southeast part of the country the number five size city in Australia, not even quite a, uh, a million and a half people. Interesting side note about them, settlers, free settlers, not convicts, unlike a lot of Australia, are the people who actually uh, settled this area from Europe. I didn't know that. Uh, the club was founded in 2003. They were sister clubs with Miami FC, not, not inter-Miami, obviously. They're too new but the second division team in Miami. They are now affiliated kind of by default with Qingdao FC in China because they have the same owner. Uh, they've won two regular season titles, but not since 2015-16. They also won the playoff title in 2016. Their best international finish, they were the runners-up in the Champions League in 2008 in Asia. Last year, they were number five in the league. This year, the offense, not so meaningless. Number three, pretty good. The defense drags that right back down, though. They're only tied for number nine in that regard. Tied for number four in league scoring, Craig Goodwin. He's a left back and winger on loan from a pretty good Saudi team called Al Weda. Uh, European footy fans, your knowledge would have to be uh, run pretty deep to re remember this guy. I don't think he made that many appearances, but he did spend one year a few years back with Sparta Rotterdam. But as we like to do for the most meaningless match, we like to look for the most average player statistically. Ryan Kiddo, congratulations, you are a left back who is a decent passer, but a terrible tackler. A lot of room for you to improve, but a long way that you could fall as well. As far as the team's form, they are 0-2-1 across all competitions with a 4-5 goal differential. And now for your most meaningless factoid in the world, and I bring in Person Noob. Person Noob, I want, in, I want to know how exciting you find this fact that I have found about the city of Adelaide, where this team is from. The post office of Sydney, or of Adelaide, is headquartered. I uh, was headquartered downtown, but they moved in 2019 to a new area, and the old building is now retail things like shops and restaurants on the bottom, and they have a 235 room Weston Hotel taking up all the floors on top of that. Is that an interesting and exciting fact, or is it utterly meaningless? In between. Really, you found it mildly interesting. I'll have to find a more boring fact next time. Well, that's not the factoid next time. That's not the way I thought that was going to go at all. You ruin everything, don't you, person new? Yes, I do. And you ruined my appetite earlier. <laughs> She's still holding me over it for the uh, sandwich review. Okay, fair enough. Oh, and now we'll move on to Western City Wanderers. So meaningless, I nearly forgot to do half the, half the segment. They were founded in 2012. They were ranked number 116 in the AS. You know what? It's so meaningless. Let's not even cover them and just move on. And now the final match of our podcast, not coincidentally the 13th one, because this is a matchup between two stinky last place teams from top flight league in the world upon which you have voted. This is the match 
of Disappointed! And the scorn is appropriate. The one you have voted on is a Sunday match from Germany's Bundesliga, out of which two teams will be relegated automatically at the end of the year, and one team might get kicked out unless they can somehow win a relegation playoff match with the second division team. Your matchup, second to last place, Arminia Bielefeld, taking on last place, number 18, Gruther Firth. If you have the stomach for it, you may bear witness to this atrocity by flipping to ESPN Plus online at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Here's how the table stands. Uh, Arminia Bielefeld trail number 16, Augsburg, by a point. That's the uh, relegation playoff spot. And they only actually trail number 15, Stuttgart, by two. So... Fair play. This team does actually have a chance to climb out of the relegation zone. Plenty of season to go, but they lead Gruther Firth by 11. That team is going down in a heap. As far as the recent series, I don't know how, but Gruther Firth, I wouldn't think they'd have a winning record against anybody. They have a 5, 6, and 4 record in the last 15 against Bielefeld. We'll talk about Bielefeld. They are from the northwest central part of the country, the state of Westphalia. Not that big a city as German cities go. Less than 350,000. They barely crack the top 20 in that regard. Uh, Not a whole lot I can find the city is really famous for, so a bit of a disappointing city. They were famous for linens for a long time. They even printed their uh, money and not in the way American paper money is technically cloth. Uh, They printed actual cloth money, I believe in the 1920s called Stauffeld. Anyway, they won division two, two years ago and climbed back up where they are most unwelcome because they're always getting kicked right back down. This is a definitional yo-yo team. Last year, they barely escaped that fate, finishing in 15th place. This year, the inability to score is what has them so incredibly putrid. Second to worst offense, they don't even manage a goal per match. The defense is in the top six, but I hesitate to say they play good defense. It's just that they may not really even be trying to score all that much. All around least crappy player they have is Alessandro Schopf. He is an Austrian central midfielder. Uh, Bayern fans, yeah, he was in your system for a bit, which I'm sure you'll even be sorry to have your name associated with a guy from this team. But even though the first team had the rights to him, uh, they gave up on him after one year, uh, and he uh, got to play with the second division team for two years, and they held his rights exclusively for one of those. Uh, It's his dribbling and his tackling that really set him apart. Here's the hoping that maybe he can get back to a better team. However, no well wishes for the worst player on their team statistically. Usually it's the goalkeeper, but we go to the other end of the pitch this time. Their 23-year-old striker needs some more seasoning. Yanni Serra in 13 uh, appearances. He only has one little goal and one little assist. And the bottom line is it's, we don't know whether or not he can shoot at a high percentage or whether or not he can pass well. The guy is just not getting or earning enough touches. I don't know if he just doesn't know how to get open or if his teammates perhaps just don't like him and they're not sharing the ball. Anyway, the form of this team, ooh, 2-1-0 in their last three. Everything is starting to come up. Armenia Bielefeld a little bit. They got an, In fact, they got a 0-2 win at Leipzig, and then they earned a draw over, I believe at the time, number four, Freiburg. And now your other team grew for their firth. I've made a decision that we will not speak of the dead because they are so far in last place and so unlikely, I would think, to ever come back up again that we need not talk about them. Okay, the real reason is we talked about them on a fairly recent episode. But either way, rather than sending these teams off with good luck that they so desperately need, we will instead send them off in our traditional manner.
It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo! boo. Yeah, that's how we're really going to end it. This has been episode 66 of Soccer Noob Rock in America. Thank you to daughter co-host Person Noob. I love you so much and thank you for joining me and helping me on this project we've been doing. To the management for all his production wizardry. To Dan, the former Interno Inferno for all of his creative efforts and inspiration. And to you, thank you so much for listening. We hope that you will pass this on to your footy-minded friends. We're really trying to do something different and unique here for better or worse. So until you can catch us again in a few days, have a fabulous footy week. Take care.